Welcome, my friends, to the Swiss Power Active Leaders. Share the inside with all leaders and others that want to lead. My name is Carlos Vargas. And as every week, I have my two co-hosts. How are you? Not anymore. Oh, he's back. Uh, Did we hey, guys. Yeah, I had a little bit of connection. Like when when the when our intro video was playing, it was stuttering a little bit. You're and so I, I thought I could be kind of cute and swap out my wireless network while that video was playing, and it wouldn't really affect us. And of course, no, I'm not nearly as cute as I think I am. It was perfectly timed. As soon as I say, Howard Holtum. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in that case, I did it on purpose. <laughs> uh, so, how you doing, guys? <laughs> We're going right in. All right, that's good. Yeah, I'm doing. I think I'm doing better than Paul is this week. I'm what doing way less, way less good. I'm in my <laughs> bunker, as you can see, still with uh, regretting my decision. I decided I thought uh, a ten thousand person. Uh, conference would be a smart idea to go to a couple weeks before a vacation. And in fact, I, uh, I got the COVID positive. So I've been down here for, this is currently day eight, uh, enjoying my time. At the very least, I have the big TV uh, and the dog, <laughs> dog comes down every so often. That's good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I've got a conference this weekend that um, I'm going to be fully masked for. Fully? You're going to, yeah, I should have. That would have been smart. Yeah, like I'm going to be on stage. I won't wear a mask while I'm on stage, but the entirety of the rest of the time I will mask. Right. How many people? Uh, the last one they did pre-COVID, I think it was 100, 120,000 people. That's a lot of people. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. yeah. So I think it's going to end up being probably 60,000 over the course of three days. Right. Vegas, I assume. Nope. Right here in Colorado. It is, really? it is, a, it is uh, technically it's called Denver Fan Expo. Yeah, but it's Denver Comic Con. Right. And you can get that many people in what venue? Uh, the convention center. It's huge. Yeah. Oh. yeah, the Denver Convention Center is huge. I'm pretty sure I've never been to the Denver Convention Center. Yeah, where is that? I don't know why you would have gone, actually. <laughs> I don't know. I've been to Denver. <laughs> Apparently not for a conference. No, no. <laughs> the it is conferences, no, it is all heating up. Are you are you going to uh to VM? Explorer. I am not. That's that's the replacement I, for VMworld. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yes, I changed it. Not on my agenda. VM. I do Explorer. have. I do have a summer agenda and a fall agenda. Yeah, including a trip to India. Ooh, we'll see how that works out. I do I'm have jealous. my Indian visa, which took much longer than it has in the past. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised how long it takes me to get an Indian visa here, being an American. It's, Hint, uh, I don't need to get a visa. It's I, There's nothing I have to do. No, it's uh, it's uh, $40 and 30 seconds. Mine was yeah. two consulate visits, hundreds of dollars, and, I don't know, 80 pages of documentation. Wasn't it like yeah. an online form? There, yeah, e-visa is what the U.S. can do. E-visa is not what Canada can do. Yeah, <laughs> We have to go full, full visa. Oh, really? And in fact, I had to give them my passport. I surrendered my passport for two weeks so that they could insert a, insert on one of the passport pages. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it used to be that the American passport was the most valuable document in the world because you could get into more countries with no visa requirement and more countries with little visa requirement than right. any other passport. 
And so, so the, that's where kind of the kind of, I don't know if you've heard that before that the, the American passport is the most valuable document in the world, but that's, that's where that comes from. Um, but it's not true anymore. Correct. It changed under Obama. If I remember correctly, there were a few countries that added visa requirements. Right. Um, and then with COVID and kind of the change in how countries viewed the American um, Americans handling COVID, it changed again. And I'm not sure where it is today. Hmm. You know, I, I, may have, because I may have to do some research. I just came back from Brazil. And normally you need for the kids stuff to go in or out. Right. And my oldest one, he just went right through it. No document, so, nothing else. Just his uh, passport. Yeah, just his passport. So it was it was really nice. simple. Um, and the first thing that I miss is the coffee. And the, a little bit of the food. Like, I got some American coffee this morning, and I'm like, can I get on the plane back so I can get some coffee? It's <laughs> not the same, is what you're saying? It's not the same. Even if I it's Brazilian know. beans, it's different? The water's you know, different. Uh, I brought some beans, so I'm going to check in here. I don't know if it's the person that made the coffee in the restaurant, right. if he has some... All the expertise that made the coffee in a different way, uh, but it's different. I don't know. Um, where's the so expensive food? It was, I'm sorry, the food was expensive in Brazil. No, no, it was the coffee was good when I came back here to get breakfast this morning. Oh. The coffee here wasn't good, so I was thinking, does the chef have something to do with the coffee? Or not? Wow. <laughs> Wow, we weren't, we, weren't even up, we weren't even getting warmed up. By the way, U.S. is now sixth. Japan and Singapore get you into the most countries at 192. Uh, the U.S. gets you into 186. Nice. And um, Canada is tied for the seventh strongest. Um, 185 destinations without a visa. Although um, it certainly does seem like India is uh, is not one of those. And what I'm curious about is if is if anyone has rated like the difficulty to get in because it is so hard for you and so easy for us and yet we both right. do require an Indian visa, right? Right. It's I wonder how many countries allow some sort of e-file in the U.S. versus you know other countries that don't. That would be a good dimension because this was this was this was as painful as the China visa. It, China visa, in fairness, was at least three times more expensive, but the same process, same documentation, same. Sure. I, I wonder. I wonder what, like, what the visa requirement is for China. For um, Americans. For well, America. in the meantime, let me uh, let me set up our conversation. So, so as you know, I've been in this bunker for eight days. I probably have at least two more days to go, if not longer. But during my time here alone, other than the dog who occasionally comes in, I've had a chance to uh, watch a lot of content. Some of that content. <laughs> was the new Master Chef series on Netflix, which you know they bringing back five other Master Chefs and they go head to head, and then the final battle was the was the ultimate winner of the other battles against all five Master Chefs, and you had to beat all five in order to get whatever the golden knife was. Awesome, but as that was happening. I was thinking to myself in a blur of haze and fever, I wonder if there's some parallels to this little competition to CIOs 
in general. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I've met a lot of CIOs, you know, we've been CIOs, uh, we've had conversations, I've applied for CIO roles. There's a lot of CIOs, right? There's a lot of companies, thousands of companies. Each one of those companies requires CIO, relatively the same skill set required for every CIO. So there's a lot of a lot of field and a lot of sameness in that field. And I, ha I have to wonder to myself, how do you create distinction for that individual person, either in the role or as an individual or as they're applying for another job? And what's more important, of course, the CIO or their team or the company? Like I, it came like, how does one compete against another CIO? That's kind of what I was thinking through that process. I mean, it, it, the parallel to chefs is really good, I think, right? Um, because a chef in a kitchen, like there's a base requirement to be a chef in a kitchen in the same way there's a base requirement to be a CIO in an organization. Right. Right. And, and in, as, in as much as there's, you know, uh, let's say 100,000 organizations or 500,000 organizations requiring CIOs, there's 500,000 restaurants requiring chefs. Right. And most of them are mediocre at best. Most of the time you eat at a restaurant, you don't really want to know the name of the chef. Right. Right. Not, not that you don't care. I mean, you genuinely don't want to know the name of the chef. Right. Um, sometimes you want to know the name of the chef and then you, you blackball them. Like I'm never <laughs> eating at that person's restaurant again. But for the most part, right, you just you have no interest in in knowing the name of the chef. It, chef, it wouldn't help help your life in any way, shape or form. Every so often you'll eat somewhere where I kind of want to know the name of the chef. Right. Right. Like I kind of want to meet the chef. I, I, I want to thank someone for that meal because not right. only was it better than I could have made at home, but it was memorable enough that it goes in my mental scrapbook of great experiences I've had. Right. And then every once in a while, you get the opportunity to visit a Michelin star restaurant. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and anyone who doesn't know, uh, Michelin is the tire company or French yeah. company. Um, and back in the day where everybody drove and nobody could fly, um, they created the Michelin guide for um, things to do when you were driving around, right? It's kind of made logical sense. And they established the Michelin rating for the best restaurants in the world. And being French, they're obviously going to go after restaurants and not, you know, the world's biggest frying pan. That would be the American <laughs> version of the, uh, of the Michelin guide, right? <laughs> yarn, world's biggest rubber band hall, right? right? Biggest hole in the ground. Um, but the French, no, the French do food. And to get a Michelin star is a lifetime of work, a lifetime of effort, and requires coordination in the kitchen that, that, that you know, rivals that of a symphony. Um, and the rule is one Michelin star, if you're there, you visit it. Hmm. Two Michelin stars, you go out of your way to visit it. Three Michelin stars, you design your entire trip around it. Got it. Right. That is that is the rule. And I will say I, I've been lucky enough and I know you have too, Paul and Carlos. I've been lucky enough to eat at probably maybe a dozen Michelin star restaurants, one, twos and threes. Yep. Every single one of them was memorable. Every single one of them left the echo of experience on me. Right. Yes. Um, 
every single one of them I'd love to be able to do again. Some I did on an expense account, and I will absolutely say that's the best <laughs> way to do it. Yes. Yes. Highly recommend that approach. Yeah, highly recommend it. Right? Um, there's one I did back when I couldn't afford it that was $500 a plate that ended up costing me after tax title and license. It cost me $750 personally. And I could not afford, I couldn't afford a $150 meal, much less a $750 meal. I regret it 0%. And it was right. Right. So, so, so what makes, like, who owns the Michelin star? What makes the Michelin star? Because the rule for the Michelin star is it's just the plate. They're not allowed to judge the table, the floor, the ambiance. Right. They're not really, even though they do, they're not really allowed to judge the service. It's the plate. What's on the plate? How does the plate taste? How does the plate look? Like what's on the plate? Right. Right. So who owns the Michelin star? Sounds like the chef or the yeah. chef team. The, the question there is, it wasn't just an individual who plated that food, came up with the menu, who cooked the individual ingredients. No, the chef didn't even touch it. Yeah. Like the chef, the chef stands at the pass through at that point, ensuring that what goes out meets his requirements or hers right. meets right. their requirements. Right. There are plenty of female um, Michelin star chefs. So I, I, you know, I apologize for that, but, but it meets their requirement, right? Their, their, their job really is consistency and plate inspection. Right. Right. Coordination. Did, did, if that table was called, does the whole table reach the pass through at the same time? So the whole table can be picked up. Right. I don't want to wait on those freaking mushrooms. What are you doing to me? Right. Um, they're the conductor. They play no instrument. Are you still arguing that that Michelin star is the chefs or the teams or the restaurants or the servers or I'm not, I'm, I'm simply, I'm not making an argument. I'm asking you to make an I argument. See. I'm reacting to it. <laughs> I see. Right. The, but, but I, I don't think it's as easy as saying it's the chefs. I don't think it's as easy as saying it's the restaurants or the teams. I don't think it's necessarily right. one thing. Put that same chef in a different restaurant. The food will be spectacular. Right. No doubt. Right. And no one hires the maitre d' from a Michelin star restaurant to run their own restaurant. Right. right. They hire the chef. They recruit the chef. Right. Come, uh, you, you, the chef is is by far the brunt of the Michelin star. Right. But so are the ingredients. Chef picks the ingredients. They absolutely do that every time. Right. So is the team. Because, again, they're the conductor. They don't pick up an instrument. But he needs to know how to prepare his special sauce or his special way of doing like a there's a movie of that specific thing. There's and it was interesting because the, the chef, he designs the recipe. And like you said, after he teaches what needs to be done, then he looks for that quality that could be reproduced across all the plates. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, not to not to get super deep into this analogy, but but if it's something that our audience is interested in, my absolute favorite cooking movie, it, it's just a phenomenally good movie, is the movie Chef. Uh, John Favreau stars in it, um, and he's a he's a chef f fighting from the kitchen, as it were, fighting with himself more than anything else. Um, it's a it's a wonderful journey that does a like the the opening part is a really accurate description of what goes on in a kitchen. It's really good. It's really well done. Um, it's an incredibly stressful job. 
it's a, it's not a very rewarding job. Um, and it shows what's po- the movie shows what's possible when all of it works together, like an orchestra is supposed to and how it doesn't work when, when it doesn't work. Right. Um, burnt is a, is another good one. Right. Um, can't remember the lead actor's name from Burnt. Um, and then there's the the like Marigold Hotel took place in takes place in India with the kid learning to be a chef. Very famous scene in that one, Cook Me an Egg, which mm. is um, which is in a there's a Michelin starred chef that that was his test, uh, which makes people laugh because they're like, how hard is it to cook an egg? Oh no, to cook an egg perfectly, it's probably the hardest thing you can do because you can't rely on anything else. Right. You just have an egg. You can't hide it behind foie gras. You can't hide it behind, you know, fancy mushrooms that we seem to want to, you know, uh, pay a thousand dollars an ounce for, right? You can't hide it behind anything. It's an egg, and right. and until you can make it perfectly, you're not ready for that kitchen. Is the theory, right? Um, but but it, it leads me to think about the role of the CIO, that fingerprint left by the CIO. Really great organizations that are really on top of their tech stack that have a story and a strategy and a plan and they they execute across that because it's a broad vision now right technology is not a not a narrow vision anymore it's a broad vision right and and it 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 has me kind of pose two questions um is the cio the chef again they don't touch anything they just stand at the pass through and um what kind of chef do you want to be which begs the question what's the Michelin star equivalent to a CIO, right? Is it external external recognition in some way? Is it the amount of time that they're quoted in an article, the amount of stagecraft they do, um, the number of roles and size of organizations they've had? Like what's that, what's that factor that says you are above others? in your capability, in your practice, in your expertise. I don't think we have it. No. Should we have something like that? I was just thinking about it. Should we have something that measured externally versus the measure of their impact to the bottom line of the company that they work for? Well, we do. We do. We, we get paid. Yeah, right? but like I get I get what you're saying but at the same time, right? Guy Fieri, probably one of the most famous faces in the world, one of the most famous chefs for sure. Yeah, is a million miles from a Michelin star. Right, right. He's in the same category as Gordon Ramsay, who who has uh, more than one Michelin star. Right. I would argue Gordon Ramsay is one of the best chefs of all time. Right. Uh, Alton yep. Brown. I'm not even aware that he has a restaurant. It's not his thing. One of the most famous, recognizable chefs in the world, right? I would say Alton Brown is the Simon Sinek of the of the cooking world. <laughs> We're stretching this very far. No, I mean, I'm just saying, like, like Simon Sinek doesn't run IT, doesn't run technology, but he's on the stage all the time. He's right. a recognizable face. He's published. Right. Doesn't make him a good CIO yet. I, I don't know a CIO that isn't aware of who Simon Sinek is and, and wouldn't call him an influence, if not, you know, a significant influence. He is for me, he's one of my favorite business authors, right? So maybe we're tackling this from the wrong angle. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe there's, 
doesn't need to be such thing as a Michelin star for CIOs. Maybe that's not how you measure the success of a CIO. That's not how you compare one CIO against another CIO. But there has to be a means in some way, right? The reality is tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of organizations who at some point in that lifestyle life requires to hire a CIO or at least replace one. How do they compare the people in front of them? other than reading their LinkedIn, having a conversation. There's gotta be some means to say you are going to be more effective over nothing. Um, Not only like doing it with a chef. Yes, you, with a chef, you can, you can ask them to make you an egg. But what's right. the equivalent of making an egg? But, but the person that interviews a chef is a restaurateur who understands how a kitchen operates and what the what are what the expectation is for them in their market in their space at their budget right um how many cio roles have you applied for that you haven't got a call back on few um uh, for me I, and and it might be the number but like there's one that's sticking in my craw right now <laughs> i see but i applied 2 months ago for a role that, that I have had ha had at another company, had connections at the company, uh, never got never got a callback. Why? Because it's being recruited through just your standard recruiter. Right. Right. Uh, so, so, so I guess that would be a better question. How many roles have you not got a callback that you've applied through through a standard recruiter? Not a warm intro. Yeah, plenty. Warm intro, I always get a callback. Plenty. Yeah, plenty, right. I guess. Right. Yeah. Like... But that's because the person interviewing for the role has no idea how the restaurant's run, has no idea how the sausage is made, doesn't right. have a clue what they want, and will never interact with that person again. I, you know, every right. time I've been hired through a recruiter, I've never interacted with a recruiter again, unless <laughs> they were somehow assigned to my team and my department, which they're not often done because they're the executive recruiter. They still right. have no clue what the job is, right? And and that's actually part of the problem. Hmm. Right. Um, is that you're not getting, but even if you do, let's pass through that process. And now that there's, there's three people in front of the hiring person, it might be the CEO, might be the CISO. They still lack the skill set to ask about making the egg, right? They wouldn't know to ask that egg. They wouldn't no, even know what question that is. No, but they've all eaten an egg. Yeah. Right. And that's, I think what makes the difference between a good CIO and a bad CIO in that in that very narrow context right can you talk someone through what your egg is going to look like can you have they've tasted an egg before right right they've probably had seven varieties of egg whether they realize it or not right, right. they've had a light scramble and a hard scramble they've had a probably probably a sunny side up a, an over easy and over hard they've had a poached egg they've had a hard-boiled egg right so can you They've had hollandaise. Can you talk them through what your eggs look like right. in a way that they can taste the egg, not know the process? You don't need to talk them through. I put a pan on medium heat. I add some butter to the pan. I crack the egg on a hard surface, hard flat surface, so that the shell doesn't fall. You know, like they don't care about any of that. Right. right. So you your, your recommendation is describing the plated egg. So yeah, as a CIO... Describe to me what a year from now looks like. Describe to me the effect and impact of IT if I were to hire you. 
within the context of what the business does and what the person cares about, right? Like if you can't do that as a CIO, you're in the wrong role. Right. Right. And if your answer is it'll be cheaper, you're in the wrong role. That's not what anyone needs from IT anymore. <laughs> right. Instead, can you talk to the president of manufacturing about how their life is going to be better informed for what they do? Just in, insert name of title. Are they going to be better informed or worse informed after a year? Right. Are they going to have more things to keep them up at night or less things to keep them up at night? And how many of those things? And can you get at all specific on what those things are? Right. If it's a CISO, they're concerned about ransomware. How do you make them not concerned about ransomware? Right. Or less concerned, right? How do you get them to understand that it's it's now your job to be concerned about it, not their job to be concerned about it? You'll do everything you can to prevent it within the context of budget and time and availability and blah, blah, blah. So I'm going to circle around your thesis then. Yeah. I buy all that. I buy that make me an egg in that circumstance. I'm going to ask the question of those three CIOs and say, describe to me what a year from now looks like, and you're going to get answers based on their history. My question to you is, if I take that CIO and put them in a five different organizations, they probably have the same answer for those five different organizations. They will make the same the egg the same way for each one of those organizations, or like a chef would. Or are you suggesting that I'm going to make the egg five different ways depending on the organization that's in front of me? Um, I'm I'm generally going to make the egg. Not, maybe not. Maybe I won't make it five different ways, but probably three different ways. Okay. So you right, have like some I, dimensions, but you at least know what successful looks like. Correct. And and me, what my fingerprint looks like. Right. Right. Like I'm not I'm not making you a hard boiled egg. I'll make you a deviled egg. But I'm never making you a hard-boiled egg. Right. Right. Um, I'll, I'll make you a over easy, but I won't do sunny side up, and I won't do a well uh, over hard. You right. know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I have my own personality. I have my own things. And if what you really want is someone that makes an over hard egg, someone that makes scrambled eggs in volume, and someone that makes hard-boiled eggs, it's cool. I, I got no complaint about that. We're not going to see eye to eye with you running the front of the house and me running the back of the house. I'll, I'll happily introduce you to someone who can do that. Right. But I'm not the person for that. And and I think that's just as critical as delivering the right as, as describing the right egg. Right. Is is what is your fingerprint? What is your personality? What are your menu items? What does your menu look like? You, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. do you want to do real good comfort food? Right. It doesn't look like much when it's on the plate. But at the end of the meal, everyone feels satisfied. Everyone's reminded of a meal at their grandmother's house. Everyone's reminded of whatever. Right. Or do you want to do something that's that's a little bit scary, that's a little bit more out of the box, that creates an experience that everyone remembers? There, you're you're coming you're coming back to both places. You know right. what I mean? The difference is you never mention like you don't talk about the comfort food place the same way, but you take everybody there. Right. Right. It's not a spe it's not special, but that's not the point. The point is it's comfortable. And 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 look, there's a million of those restaurants. They're there's a million successful restaurants. There's a million of those organizations. If that's who you want to be, be that. But understand that that's who you are. Be confident that that's who you are and explain that's the menu you're delivering, right? So, so let me ask this angle. 
and I'm enjoying this thing because we could stretch this analogy to almost any situation. <laughs> um, there are restaurants that say to themselves, um, I want to be something new and different. Therefore, I'm going to hire a chef that's bringing with them ideas and concepts and menus and and sort of the farm to table perspective. This is what I'm looking for. Somebody to help reinvent the restaurant. And then there are some restaurants saying, you know, we've been in business for 50 years. The menu is set. I have clientele that comes every single week. I need you to continue on and ensure that the same level of quality exists tomorrow as it did yesterday. Which CIOs and which chefs are better? Not, neither. Neither is better because they're different and they're different. They're, the, the, the problem comes when it's unfit, when it's not a fit. Right. I just had this happen. Right. Right. Um, they said they said they wanted one thing. I felt I was that one thing. They wanted something that wasn't that thing. That's fine. Right. That doesn't make me a bad chef. That doesn't make them a bad kitchen. Right. Right. It means I'm trying to do something in that kitchen and that restaurant's unprepared to produce. My menu doesn't fit the aesthetic. My menu doesn't fit how they advertise, where they advertise, what clientele they get and how they want to run. They wanted to run a comfort food place. They wanted right. to run an upscale Waffle House. That's not me. Right. It's just not like right. I love it. I love eating comfort food, right? It's very hard to beat fried chicken, mashed potatoes, and gravy. It's very hard to beat a nice cheesy grit. <laughs> right. Same time, that's not, like my cheesy grits have balsamic on them. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> right. I'm on my kitchen, right? So, so it's cool, but don't ask me to make that, right? Um, don't don't like if don't don't ask me to work at a vegetarian. Don't ask me to make low low fat, low sodium. Like, it's not, you know, I'm not going to work at a smoothie bar. Um, you, you, I, right. And I, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with those things. They're just not me. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I want to work at a place where the menu board could change at any given moment. Right. That we, when, when we do something, it's, it takes you out of your comfort zone. Right. But it does so in an absolutely safe manner. Right. And then it brings you back home in an absolutely safe manner. Right. I, I, my ideal restaurant is a club where I know all the members and they never order anything. Right. You get the, the thing I think is right for you that right. day based on what's got the best availability, the freshest ingredients based on right. how I feel and how I know your personality. And that's right. what you get. Right. I mean, if, if and, and that that's my personality and that's the kind of organization I want to be in. Right. Heavy change high change agent, heavy growth, right? Lead from the front, really push the employees to be the best they can, help everyone accelerate and deliver really interesting, really kind of boutique, you know, experiences to really fine tune what the menu needs to be for that organization at that time and that place, and then go to another one and do it all over again, hmm. right? I mean- will you, will you start somewhere that will be one of those places that you don't like to get the experience so you can do what you want? I think you have to. Like, I think you have to have bad experiences. I think anyone that says, I've only worked at perfect places needs to get out more. <laughs> right? Like, because how do you know, how, how do you really stretch yourself unless you have people that challenge you from every direction? Unless you've, like, 
we, we've said it on this on the on our on our show before, right? Um, uh, you don't learn from success. You learn right. from mistakes, and part of those mistakes are choosing the wrong organization. Part of those mistakes are you know not being treated the way you want to be treated, not being given the control that you want, not being you know being put into a box that's restrictive on you in a way you didn't realize you should have been looking for. And then you going also learn uh, from variety, even if it's not a failure, right? Like I assume top Michelin chefs didn't start that way, right? They were sous chefs in crappy restaurants. And oh yeah, no, somebody threw a knife four times. Like, the way, right? Yeah, it's yeah. guaranteed they had a, they, you know, they had the same pot thrown at them that they threw at somebody else. <laughs> right, exactly. Like, they went through a level of abuse to get to that point that that, you know, kind of you have to go to to be excellent, to be amazing. Right. Um, and, and it's likely that they seek that out, that they, and, and let's not forget the value of the team, right? Cause I, I am certain you are the same way I am, Paul. I'm positive. And that is not only do you have people you like to work with, but were you given the opportunity, you would assemble a dream team and you wouldn't have to think too hard about who the dream team is. Right. 100%. right? There's six or eight people that you would just go, yeah, I want to work with those people. That's my dream team. That's right. Budget okay. be damned, time be damned. And you knew they'd all take the job. Right. Right. You knew it didn't like, there's no ego of who's running the kitchen and you have to work for somebody else, even if they're all running practices themselves, they would just go, yeah, okay, I'm in. I'm in. Right. right? Yeah, 100%. We all get to that point. And, and frankly, the better my team is, the better I am. Cause again, I'm standing at the pass through moving the plates through and confirming that the plate looks the way that I want. I'm not making them. I'm not making the sausage. I'm not assembling the plate. I'm just confirming it looks the way I want. So it's so it's my team. Hence why the my team chef gets to bring around two chefs. Right. <laughs> All right, Carlos. I don't know how many more dimensions to this analogy we need. <laughs> <laughs> we go for a week on this one. This, this is, yeah. this it, it's actually really interesting to understand that difference. I went to a restaurant like that in this trip. And I met the chef. And like you said, when you see the difference that the chef brings into the restaurant, it makes a huge difference. It not, it's not just about the delivery. It's what it's doing for the whole team, like you mentioned, how the team is learning the expectation. And then that helps the company to grow and to deliver more. So my friends, has been awesome to see you again. Make sure that you subscribe, you share, and we'll see you on our next episode.